Hey, thanks for joining me. I'm Carla with Race to Walk, and this is, um, we're having a good Sunday. We're just going to have some Sunday thoughts, and I'm going to give you an update about what is going on with the uh, Afghan adventures in Pakistan. Let me tell you, there have been, like, there's so much that's been happening in the last week. And then also, I'm going to end with um, a few ways of, like, if you're interested in helping, um, how you can do that. But some thoughts for today. Um, really what I've been thinking about this week is, uh, how important having community, um, a, a faith community is, and that doesn't always necessarily mean, um, official, uh, church structure either. And what I mean by that is, um, there was a conference at, um, Houston Christian, Christian University a few, a few months ago. And one of the people, said uh, in his presentation, he said, in the last couple of years, we've discovered that it's hard to have hope alone. And I think that's true. And I've seen that especially clearly as I've been working with the different um, groups of people that are in Afghanistan and in Pakistan among the Afghan Christians. And some of them are isolated, um, pretty much on their own. And then there's others that have been in community and there's a real difference in the mindset, um, and the outlook, um, between the people that are by themselves and the people that are in community and fellowship with each other. And like he said, it's a lot easier to have hope when you are in community with other people. The other thing is that this has just happened this last week. You know, if you are, um, maybe you're in a situation that is not good and you're not seeing any movement in your own situation. If you can see how things are working out in someone else's situation, then um, it's easier to have hope and have positive expectations rather than if all you know is your own circumstance and it doesn't look like there's being any movement. And We've been, like I said, there's different groups that um, are that I'm working with. I mean, it's one group, but they're in like different places, so they're not all connected to each other. Sort of, it's a different, it's kind of a long story. But um, you know, when one person gets their visas, you know, it's easier to. And, and I'm talking Pakistan visas. We don't have any visas for the U.S. yet, but. Um, it's easier to have the expectation that your visa is going to come to. And, uh, I have, I've been in communication with a couple of people that don't really have any connection with anyone else. And the level of, um, hopelessness is, uh, really intense. And I think that, um, anybody that is involved in trying to help, will tell you the same thing. Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming because there's just so many people in need and, uh, there's just in general, so little, little help, but even in other things too, like we're here in the U S and, you know, we have, we have the ability to connect and communicate with other people. And sometimes we don't, and sometimes we choose to, um, stay isolated in our own problems. Um, and, uh, not reach out for help. And it's, I think, important to, um, 
be able to connect with other people and uh, have them, you know, help you along the way. I uh, just, just in this individual circumstance, like helping the African Christians. Um, I have been sharing, I, I just recently started, started updates on my channel, but I've been sharing updates with my apologetics group uh, since it started. And, you know, I had people praying and also um, when we got to the point where we needed funding for certain things, it was people from that group that started donating and uh, before we had access, you know, from the larger funding for the visas. So, um, you know, they had been, they knew what was going on and uh, they're the ones that helped out. And actually just today, yeah, I've been sharing it in my Bible study too. Um, just today, uh, the Bible study teacher was, she had a, the lesson was on uh, Jesus is a good shepherd. And when I say, when I think of that, that's, that's one of the things I've been thinking of as well. Um, you know, he is, he's not just a shepherd, he's a good shepherd. And this discussion came up in Bible study today about, you know, what we can expect from God. And, you know, is it just eternal life? No. You know, if, if it were just eternal life, then God wouldn't have made us incarnate, you know, incarnated beings in a body. He made us with needs that we have. And when he talks about a, you know, being a good shepherd, it also means uh, providing for our physical needs, you know? And so that was, we actually had a little bit of a debate about that today, but I think that that is um, kind of an illustration of what our ideas are of God in particularly Western Protestant culture. We a lot of times have more of a Gnostic belief that it's like all in our head and it's all about knowledge when really, you know, our faith is supposed to you know, be about our whole self. And when, you know, Jesus uh, came and died and rose again, it wasn't just for our spirit, but was for our whole being, our whole self. You know, if you look at uh, the blessings and curses in uh, that are listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 29, you know, God's giving some very specific physical promises, you know, to his people. So I think a lot of times we have some warped beliefs about who God is and uh, what he wants for us and, you know, what we can ask him for. But after the class, she was, the teacher said, uh, I was, you know, we have people from, um, from that are in Pakistan that, um, zoom in. And, uh, so she just, you know, said hi to them. And, um, afterwards she said, I've just been praying about them all weekend. I was wondering what is going on. I was like, Oh, let me tell you, there's been a lot going on this week. And there was a reason that the Holy spirit was burdening you to pray for that because we need a lot of prayer, especially over the past couple of days. So anyway, um, you know, we're not, in the Christian life isn't about just being in fellowship with God. It's also being in fellowship with other people. And like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, in a church building, you can be in a church building and really not have any fellowship or communion with other believers. You know, you can just be showing up and not really being in fellowship. But, um, I had, 
this week has been it's been an interesting one. Um, I didn't realize until literally this week, like how much trauma I have associated with this time of year, like right around Valentine's Day. I was sharing with Charlotte, uh, just talking to her about a couple of issues because I do have other things going on in my life beyond, you know, what's going on in Pakistan and with the Afghans. But she said one of one of the situations. She said, uh, "Yeah." You just need to cut bait on that one. But she said this other situation, you're just uh, you're reacting because you have some mild PTSD about the, like this time of year. And um, I was thinking back over some of the things that had happened. And I, what came to my mind was this lady that um, was in a, I had to make a very difficult decision. And um, I didn't really know what it was that, um, which way I should go. And I had talked to her about it a little bit beforehand and uh, previous to this. And she sent me a message, same kind of thing as Miss Barbara. Um, she said, uh, I've, you know, you've been, been on my mind a lot. And how are things going? And I said, well, you know, I don't really know. You know, I'm not really quite sure what I'm supposed to do here. And um, she said, well, I'll be praying for you that, you know, God, the Holy Spirit will, like, let you know. And a couple weeks after that, I had my answer. And I knew, it's just like I knew with certainty that um, what my decision was supposed to be. And I had peace about it. And it wasn't an easy decision. But I had, you know, a confidence and a peace that that was the right decision. And it wasn't even until like a couple years after that, that I even made that connection. Like she prayed for me and the answer came and, um, it was right about this time of year. And so I sent her a message this week when I was in the middle of this, uh, Valentine's day, uh, deja vu, I guess. And I sent her a message and I just said, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't think I ever told you, like, you know, what's, you know, how God answered that prayer. And uh, so we had a Zoom chat on Thursday. And, you know, I just, I had never, this has been years ago, and I had never told her um, that God had given me the answer or thanked her for, you know, praying for me. And she said, you know, that's what we're supposed to do for each other. You know, we're just supposed to be here for each other. And same day, you know, I was talking with another friend and just generally and um it was just somebody else that had it's really been there for me in the past few years just like listening to me with like all my I've been having a lot of meltdowns about you know stupid decisions people make and the bad consequences we get because of those stupid decisions but you know it's just what she said she said the same thing we're supposed to be there for each other and then today I see this Yesterday I had somebody on my mind and I was thinking, Oh, I wonder, wonder how he's doing. And I didn't say any, I should have sent him a message. Didn't, I don't even think I should know by now, like when things like that happen, and if I don't do anything else, I should at least be praying for that person. And, uh, then today he, he, I guess maybe it was last night. I didn't see it till today, but today I saw a message. Um, he posted in the group that we're both in about the situation. And I was like, okay, this is a reason he was on my mind. I should have been 
anymore. So, um, you know, we're not orphans. You know, God just didn't, Jesus didn't just come and die and uh, rise again and ascend and leave us here on our own. He is, you know, the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our guide, and he is there to give us answers when we need them. And sometimes our answers won't come as quickly as other people's, but, you know, as we see God answering those prayers, then we can know that, you know, that gives us confidence and um, that he is working out the response for our answers as well. So last time I talked for 45 minutes, I'm not going to do that this time, but um, I'm going to give a little bit of an update about where we are with Afghanistan, with the Afghan Christians. And I think I remember signing off last week about with saying, we'll see what happens in the next seven days. I cannot even tell you. There was so much. It was unbelievable. So this week was going to be my week to be, have a little bit more balance in my time about where I spent my time and not spend so much time on this effort, you know, when to have a little more balance with the rest of life. Uh, it's not really quite how it worked out. Monday, I got a message from one of the people that is in Afghanistan waiting for the visa. I explained that whole thing last week. And um, he, it's, it, they're both, uh, he's like college age and his little sister, uh, they're both college age. And his little sister got a phone call from um, the UNHCR office in Pakistan that her interview with UNHCR was scheduled for Thursday. So awesome. They've been waiting for that for a long time, but the problem is they're in Afghanistan and their visas aren't ready. So number one, they had to find a way to be able to get back to um, Pakistan. And they had said, I said, well, can't you just call him, you know, maybe do a Zoom call? And he said, no. You know, we, if we tell them that we left uh, Pakistan, they're not going and gone back to Afghanistan. They're going to deny our application and not, and not give us, you know, block our IDs. So the reason they had to go back was because Pakistan, um, being really horrific, really horrific to, um, Afghan refugees. And they were threatening, you know, they, if they were there without a valid visa, they could be arrested, fined, ex deported to Afghanistan, have their ID, their passport blocked from ever returning to Pakistan. So they had to get valid visas. They could not leave. Um, they couldn't get the new visas unless if they went back to Afghanistan and entered on it. So it really wasn't, it's not that they feel safe because they're, they're not. I mean, they're hiding out in Afghanistan. But that's what they had to do to be able to even, you know, uh, operate. I mean, he's been teaching English classes and he's, you know, will get taken into the police station. They do, the Pakistani police do door-to-door -door, um, house searches. So they should have been, their new visas should have been done already. We were expecting them only to be there for a month. So they should have been able to return by the 1st of February. That's not what happened. And they're still waiting. And so um, we had a little bit of a dilemma. So he was able to reschedule it to Monday. And um, I'm just going to do a little bit of an explanation because I don't really understand all this until literally on Friday. So this is the 
this is the process of what what they're trying they're going in for the interview for is for a UNHCR refugee card or designation, and that's a certification by the UN Human Council of Rights or something that they are a refugee and that they are in need. And there's a couple of reasons that this is really important. So number one, if they had this refugee designation, all this stuff with the visas, we would not have to do. We would be set. And some of them, like the, some of the visa renewals that we have gotten through, they're, they're doing renewals, but they're not doing new visas for Afghans because there have been a couple of um, bombings in Pakistan. But um, with that, like a couple of the renewals are only for 90 days. Uh, the longest re- extension was for six months. And it's like, we don't want to be going through this drama. I've had to spend so much effort uh, just trying to get their visas so they're not arrested. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So my, like I said last week, I really, really, really want to get these uh, UN uh, HCR refugee designations for them so I can just focus on immigration for them and not have to worry about all the rest of this. So anyway, they just explained this all to me because I've been trying to like figure out even what the process is. So they have to register with SHARP, which is a Pakistan agency, and they give them their information. Then they have to wait for an interview with SHARP, and uh, that's kind of a pre-screening interview. Then after that, they wait and to get an interview with the actual official UNCR um, uh, office in Islamabad, and I guess they... You know, it's in the diplomatic um, compound and it's this whole thing. And they can have multiple, not just one interview, but they can have multiple interviews with the UNHCR. And then what is supposed to be happening is they're supposed to get a, a refugee designation and they get a card for that. So with that, they don't have to, they don't have to worry about um, visas to stay in Pakistan with you know, without getting deported. And then once they have the refugee designation, they are, they can get a UN referral to immigrate somewhere else. So not only is it important because they need, you know, they don't, we don't have to worry about visas for them. But the other thing is that some um, immigration systems, like programs like Canada, they have to have this UN refugee certification before they can get into their immigration system. So Canada has a program that if they have that card and if they have a sponsor and the sponsor puts up X amount of money, then they can immigrate. They can just go into the system. So keep in mind that we've had massive amounts of people uh, escaping Afghanistan and these offices are overwhelmed, but this is what's happening. Um, we have people that have been there for over a year now that have registered with SHARP that haven't even gotten the first pre-screening interview. We have some people that have had a UN, uh, their first interview with UNHCR, but they're just sitting there still waiting. And Friday, somebody told me that um, they came right after the Taliban took over like right immediately afterwards. And he got, he said that he got his card with that first UNCR interview. 
And I'm like, so what was the deal with that? And he said, well, I, he had a, a letter from his church saying that he was a member and was a Christian. And I said, okay, so we have, we have this, uh, one of our people, you know, she's like, I think like 20 is going to have an interview tomorrow. So, um, that's one of my projects for today is I'm writing a letter and, uh, just going to be saying that I know them as a family, that they participate in our Bible studies and, uh, it's the, the brother is like our, our translator and just verifying that I know them as Christians. So I'm really hoping that we get, um, they can get that card. Um, so this is why it was like really, really important for them to be able to make that, um, that appointment. And so one of my friends, <laughs> it's crazy. One of my friends donated the money to, for him to, uh, get the, I guess it's like gate pass. I don't know. The whole thing is like crazy, but anyway, so he could get back without his visa and then the visa was supposed the pass was supposed to be done on Saturday. It wasn't. Um, and so they're still waiting. And then they go again. Uh, he was actually just got back like a couple hours ago. I got a message saying they got back and I don't, haven't even heard the story. He said they had a lot of problems. So I told the teacher of a Bible study, I said, this is what's been going on. This is why, uh, God wants you to pray for this. Cause it was, it, it just stresses me out. Like the thinking about it. Um, I mean, they're just college kids making their way halfway across Afghanistan on this. And it's just, it's just crazy. But anyway, um, so that's tomorrow and I'm hoping to get a positive result from that. Um, I'm still looking for a contact that can get me into, uh, some connection with, the UNHCR because we need, not only do we need those, uh, designations, but, um, we have two families that have been there for a long time that got their UNHCR refugee certifications before 2021. And they're still sitting there and they have family in Australia. So I need a kind of referral into that. And the other thing about the UN, and I, I'm really not sure what's going on. I, it's really felt to me, and maybe this is just normal, and this is just the way immigration works. I don't know, because this is all new to me, but um, it really feels like just a lack of concern. And what's going on, it really feels like there's some sort of, um, it almost seems like there's been some sort of pact about not letting Afghans leave Afghanistan. Like they agreed. It, it seems like they, there was an agreement that they were with the Taliban that they wouldn't let people leave or something because I don't know if you remember this, but back when they were all these uh, private NGOs were, were uh, chartering private planes to evacuate people. Um, they were saying that the, private charters were being blocked from leaving. Um, they told me on Friday that they've stopped issuing UNHCR cards, refugee cards. I said, that doesn't make sense. I mean, they have them all over the world and you know, I, you can, they're still issuing them and they said, well, they're not issuing them to the Afghans. And so if this one person got at the beginning, got this, this refugee certification at the very beginning, 
and now they're making, I've heard that they're making people go through like five, six interviews and that they don't actually ever give the card and that if they give a referral, it's just, they refer the people to the embassy without giving them the individual certification. None of that makes sense to me. They're, um, it's so corrupt there. I mean, they are, I've heard from three different sources and I've actually seen evidence of it that the Sharp Office of Pakistan is selling interviews with, for two, one person told me the other day, $2,000 for an interview for a family and uh, $10,000 for a UN referral. And that was actually cheap. I like heard that somebody else told me that there was a family that paid $60,000, family of six, paid $10,000 a piece to get um, that UN case approved and a referral. It's completely corrupt. It's just unbelievable. So that is, uh, that's what happened this week. And, um, also on Monday, this is another thing that kind of adds to my stress just about the level of urgency about this. I mentioned last week that there's a podcast called the Afghanistan project podcast. And on Monday they had, they, they drop a new episode every Monday. And this last week there was one about, I don't even remember what her organization was, but there was a lady that was, um, sharing what was going on. She has a medical, um, nonprofit and the Taliban have banned women from being treated by male doctors and women are not allowed to work. So basically that what that means is that women do not get medical treatment. She has, uh, has female doctors, ethnic minorities that have, uh, they're doing medical clinics. You just have to watch the whole thing, but she was just talking about some of the things that are going on there. She said the malnutrition is just unbelievable and through the roof. She's never seen some of the, seen some of the things, you know, the conditions, um, before there, she has evidence of like mass graves. They're doing human trafficking. The Taliban are selling like body parts and organs, you know, to China. I mean, she said there are gang rapes. I mean, they've had, you know, rape victims as young as a year old. I mean, it's just really, really horrific. And she said, nobody's, nobody's doing anything. She said, I thought that the, um, the, uh, having, you know, evidence of the mass grave would be enough. And it's, she said, it's not, it's like people just, they're still treating these Taliban, uh, leaders that I, she has evidence of some of these these people in these high official positions are some of the perpetrators. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that these Taliban are not still human beings. I mean, I don't think anybody is beyond the power of the Holy spirit to redeem, reclaim, restore, and renew. But the way that they're acting is like, if you've ever watched the movie serenity and the reavers in serenity, that's the way they're acting. I actually have I wrote an essay on, that serenity, but that is just so brutal and horrific. This is what's going on. So this is Monday. And then this whole thing with the UN, um, application, I had these two college kids that are, you know, going across the country to try to make it. So his, uh, you know, the little sister can go to this interview. It's been, um, it's been a week. It's been an eventful week. The other thing, other positive thing that happened, this was just this morning. Um, I think 
I think I mentioned last week about the cousin of one of our um, class members that went, you know, went from Brazil up to uh, through South America and was wanting to immigrate. So when that all went down, the thought that it came to came to me is that I should send an email to my ex-in-laws to see if they have any resources because he was looking for resources in Mexico. I didn't do it. And so this morning, uh, that friend that had that issue, he, he lives in San Antonio, and that, um, and so I thought, well, I'm going to send a message to my ex-sister-in-law and uh, see if she has any resources. She's been an attorney for, in San Antonio for a long time. She's uh, just finished serving as a judge um, in San Antonio. I thought she might know. So anyway sent her a message. She called me. We had a talk. She did give me some advice for my friend. And then I said, Hey, do you have any, um, any reason? I told her about the person that was in Mexico. She's like, Oh yeah, where is he? I'm like, I don't even know where he is at this point. I need to double check. And then she has all these connections that I need to have like pro bono immigration attorneys and people. Oh my God. I, oh, I'm kicking myself that I didn't contact her two months ago. Um, she's connected with another association that like a judge's association that have been evacuating people. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I have a judge in his family that we need to evacuate from Afghanistan. And, uh, she's connecting me with a couple of other people that are, she's like, Oh, they know how to get things done. I'm like, okay, that's what I need. That's what I need. I need to know how to get things done. So anyway, that was good. So lots happened last week. And, uh, I have a couple of there's so much stuff to do. It's not even funny, but I am just uh, oh, man. Another prayer. <laughs> I I was talking to somebody about um, this. Going to help me get the word out about this, and he said, "Who's your federal representative?" I was like, "Oh, Stan Crenshaw." He's like, "I'll oh, just go into their office." I'm like, "Man, I don't want to because I had just sent them an email." Like basically ripping into them because this, they had sent an email about after the State of the Union with all this bogus information. So I responded and I'm just like ripping into him. I said, Oh, I don't want to go in. He goes, No, just walk in there. Go in with authority and just tell them what you need. So went in, talked to the lady at the office and uh, told them the whole story. And she said, Yeah, we can help you get them into the user app program. And I was telling him about one particular situation. And she said, well, we have to have the sponsor circles together for the people. And then once we do, then she can help. They can help with that. So I was like, okay, that's good. But um, I think last week, people want, want to help with this. And I'm just going to go over and um, go over this again. But this is a very cool app. It's called Estil.com. You can donate and send food and different other emergency supplies to people in Afghanistan, um, either just donate and they'll give it to people in need, or you can send it to a particular family, or you can buy, um, from Afghan artisans and, uh, so they can help support their family. So that's one thing I just want to put that out there because, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of them have, almost everybody has been shut down and uh it's really hard for people to make a living you know if they're not the taliban exploiting everything around them okay so the other thing is 
I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, but in January, the uh, State Department announced a new program for immigration called Welcome Corps. And this is based on the um, Canadian program that I mentioned. And if a, a family that wants to immigrate has a sponsor group, then um, it acts like normally, like in the humanitarian parole um, programs, they have to have a referral in. So it's a referral in either through that UNH share program, which is part of the reason why, you know, there's such a, a high premium on people getting that, or they have to be referred by a U.S. embassy or what was the other thing? Or an NGO. So you have to be referred in. So with the Welcome Corps, they're letting um, individuals help with the immigration in the middle of this month, middle of this year. Um, sponsor groups are going to be able to select families that they and refer in families that they want to sponsor. And so from my conversation with them, I'm pretty sure this is what um, they can, uh, what my state rep can help with. So this is, let's see. So this is a website if you want more information about it. But this is this is our plan for our people. This is what we're going to be working for. Um, and so if you are interested in helping with that, you can send me a message at contact at reasonwalk.org because I need to get sponsor groups together for our people. But um, anyway, it's just been a lot. It's been a lot this week. Um, and the other thing is I've been listening reading their testimonies and like just seeing what it is that they've done, um, in the past. Um, all of the people that we are with, they were, had professions mainly. The people that, that didn't have the means, they're still stuck in Afghanistan. So there are people that had some pretty, uh, significant positions like in the Afghan government, you know, just, trades and professions um, and that's why they had the means to get to even to Pakistan and a lot of them worked for um, international organizations NGOs uh, there's that worked with NATO with World Health Organization and you would think with that that there would be they would have people helping them and they don't and so one of the things I'm going to do is um, I'm contacting these people and these organizations just to say, hey, I am in contact with one of your former employees. How can you help? And if they won't, then, or do anything at all to help, then I'm going to let people know about it because that, I think, is not only is it inexcusable that we as a country have completely abandoned them, but it's not just a country. There are a lot of companies and nonprofit organizations that have done the exact same thing. And I saying you can't do anything is absolutely no excuse. I am not in any sort of official position and I'm doing what I can. And so if you had people that were your employees. You should be taking care of them shouldn't be asking their Bible study teacher for help. But anyway, so these are people that have been helping so far. And this is, again, none of this is official because none of us are official. These are the people that have been helping me with like uh, 
we had to, when we had to get the birth certificates and passport renewals. I mean, these are people that I know from an unexpected journal and from my um, apologetics program. Again, not official, just, you know, we're friends just helping, trying to help out other friends. Um, my Bible study a class, people in my Bible study, again, again, it's not official because, uh, you know, my church officially has not done anything. This is just people I know that are helping. And um, also, I have no other way to classify this other than I, I think of this group of people as like the brown coats of Humble ISD. This is back when we had this whole big thing about our uh, superintendent and shady school board and watch Firefly and brown coats and that's kind of it's kind of what it's like what it's like we're like the resistance against the establishment but um there's been some pretty significant help from people that are in that um that group also the Nasa Kingwood I mean they've been you know giving some moral support praying and also um they as a business and some of their um some of the people associated with them donated and helped. And then also, this is what I'm doing for my business and legacy marketing. If, uh, for any project that, uh, if a business has a project, they want to donate to this effort, then, um, I will match, uh, up to 20% of the cost of the total of the services. So anyway, that is who has been helping. And so again, if you want to help, um, we have, let me go back to this. So, um, Don Shire with Don Shire Ministries is, he has a nonprofit and he's accepting donations. And since last week, he's, I have an official little, um, option for donations. If you do like race, select race to walk, uh, Afghanistan, then that will go into this, um, supporting the people, getting some of the documents that we need to have. And this is, where is this? This is Don's site. Where's Don? Okay. So it's Don Sharp Ministries. And he actually, he does, he does uh, humanitarian efforts all over the world. He just left um, Poland and the Ukraine. He's supporting a church there that's a shelter for Afghan refugees. Um, he's got an email from him yesterday. He just went to Honduras where his orphanage is. He's selecting there. He has uh, stuff he's doing in Haiti. So, you know, if you want to look at other stuff that he's doing and want to support there too, I mean, I'm sure he would appreciate the support there too, but Don's awesome. He's been um, really helpful in uh, giving money to people. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's been really, um, it's a really cool thing about the people that God's been bringing in and connecting because again, I mean, all this is new to me and, uh, he has structure and, you know, knows how to, I don't have to worry about the reporting. I just send him receipts and give him updates and tell him where things are going. And then he handles the rest of it. So that's, been a real blessing. And then the other thing, the person that got me involved in all of this is Mark. And this is his website. And if you want to go to his, where is it? This is his website at markritchie.me. And I mean, he doesn't have a place to donate there, but like his, his efforts are going into, um, helping the Afghans. So go buy 
one of his books or something, and he, uh, I'm sure that would be appreciated. So anyway, that's this for the week. Uh, it's been eventful, and um, I'm hoping that we have some more positive movements next week. I really, I'm really, um, oh, man, I'm really, really praying that um, we get at least that one um, designation for them, for the refugee designation, so we don't we don't have to worry about keeping up with Pakistan visas. So anyway, that's an update. And um, we'll see what happens next. But I will see you next time.